Well, I was a part of cleaning crew at one point, and I would always stand up here and pretend I was going to preach, but I never, this was obviously my first time actually being able to preach, so it's an awesome opportunity. Last time I preached a, if you want to say a full message outside of elementary chapel, I preached an hour and 20 minutes. I trust I will, I wouldn't say I trust, I won't preach that long to this morning. I had never preached more than 35 minutes in my life, so I thought I was fine. I didn't really look at my, I couldn't really see the clock in the back, and I couldn't, you know, I didn't think, I don't need to check my phone, I'm not, I haven't preached that long. I sat down, and the Lord worked in the message, it was, it was great to see, um, but I sat down, and I looked at my clock, and I thought, oh no. <laughs> but thankfully nobody was mad, it, was, it went well, so... Dr. Jim preached uh, at opening meetings, and he gave us a, cha- uh, a series of messages that I think all of us would testify that were a challenge to our hearts. And I know for myself, it's been a journey since then, as I have, as I heard those messages on strongholds, on wounds, and from that point till uh, now, having also as well gone through the Conquer series, I. I know that God's used that immensely in my life, and I trust he's used that in your lives as well. We've heard different preaching since then um, on this topic. But God did something specifically in my heart during those opening meetings that kept carrying through, got into the Conquer series. God kept touching my heart about an issue. And I got to preach when I was back home. I preached, that was when I... Uh, spoke an hour and 20 minutes, but I spoke on the topic of strongholds and wounds. And uh, in that all, again, God keeps bringing me back to one specific wound that we can experience in our lives that I really want to talk about today because as I've observed time and time again, I've seen how much that affects, has affected my life and how much I've seen it affect so many other people either I've worked with or been around. So I want to talk about that this, um, this morning. So let's open a word of prayer, and then we'll get into that. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here and preach. And I do ask that you would carry forth your word with power. And Lord, we, like the prophets of old, you've given a message, and so I desire to declare that forth. And I ask that you would give, give me the right words to say. Um, Lord, I have lots of thoughts, but I don't want to say any more or um, any less than what I should say. So would you empower would you use the word to um, convict and to open eyes to this area, uh, this wound that I believe is prevalent in, amongst people in this day and age. So Lord, I ask that you would just um, work uh, mightily in this time. In your name, amen. The wound I really want to talk about is the, in, in describing it, and even as you go through the Conquer series, or you've, if you've read any things by Dr. Ted Roberts, uh, one of the things that he talks about in wounds, the different ways he describes it, is that of where we have wax, like big trauma, or lax. And the thing I want to talk about is a lack that wouldn't seem as big, but the, when you start really um, evaluating it, you realize it's a huge issue in our lives. And that's a lack of affirmation. Um, you know, I've, I've been meditating a lot of this, uh, uh, you know, affirmation. Why is this such a big deal? Well, let me just define affirmation. And while, while I'm, I'm saying this, why don't you turn to Psalm 147, verse 3. It's kind of a, a springboard passage. 
in a sense. I'm, I'm kind of going to go through a bunch of stuff, material, and then I'm going to jump into some biblical examples that as I've been meditating on things, guys open up. Even at our own Sunday school table, God was opening up some things. And um, then uh, we're going to apply this for how do we see this healed and even now how do we take this truth and go forward with the people we're going to even be working with. So Psalm 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. If you remember that passage. And I, as this, when I preached during Christmas break, I, I spoke on there in the passage in Luke where it talks about he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to bind up their wounds. And that's really what Christ wants to do right now is bind up wounds. Affirmation. So let me just give a definition of, of affirmation. It's uh, the, the assertion that something exists or is true. The definition of affirm is to state or assert positively maintain as true. So, practically, affirmation is confirming truth about who you are. How you are acting right now might not be a true representation of who you are. Sometimes it takes vision to be able to affirm someone or yourself who isn't acting like who they truly are. Proper affirmation is about, and, this, and my conversation with Dr. Jim about this topic, proper affirmation is about essence, not about externals. Everyone wants to know, and this is where it really gets down to, everyone wants to know they have value. Affirmation is the quality that confirms the value of the individual. And when I say confirms the value of the individual, we're not giving value to someone. You already have value. And we're gonna, later on, we're going to talk about the value you have, whether you're a Christian or not, and the value you have now because you are a Christian. But everyone has value. It's that, it's that aspect of affirming the value you have. So what is this wound? What is this lack, this lack of affirmation in our lives? Why is this such a big deal? Improper um, affirmation fails to confirm value and therefore one lacks security. This produces then an insecure and critical individual. It can be expressed in many different ways. If you don't feel like you have value, how are you going to express it? Many people, it's seen... Uh, I might express it in one way. You might express it in a totally different way. Your personality can affect how you express your lack of value or feeling of lack of value. It could be one of Mr. Tough Guy. You have to prove that you have value. It could be indifferent to what others think. I don't care what someone thinks. And again, that's a, a way to prove I have value. Um, is a focus on individuality. I'm all about in being individual. I'm not, I don't want to make any one of you the same as the other. I, I'm, I'm about individuality, but when you focus on that, and so have to, we, we're all today about expressing your individualism. But, I, but if you're uh, overemphasis on individuality, 
usually stems from a lack of value. You have to try to prove something. Again, striving to prove oneself. You can be argumentative. Something that's overly argumentative. You always have to prove your point. You always have to come out on top on an argument. Needs attention. Fears criticism. Fears, fear, fear. Ah, I kept saying this earlier. I was trying to add fear and failure together. Fear of failure never tries hard enough in case of failure. Fears man's opinion. Critical of others. Maybe overly perfectionistic. Insecurity is one of those areas as you, we look, do we have this, this wound, this lack in our life, that lack of affirmation? Insecurity is that inability to take constructive uh, criticism. I, I, can't, I, I can't take somebody criticizing me. You're fearful of failing. If I fail at something or if I fail at life, then in some way that, that translates into I'm not as valuable anymore. You might have a critical spirit. You might always have to put someone down. It might be the person you've targeted someone specifically in your mind. Maybe there's like just a couple people that you've struggled with having a critical spirit towards. It could be someone on staff. It could be a fellow student. It doesn't matter. There's multiple people that you, know, and you could be critical of. And critical spirit is that, is that thing where you have to, in your own mind, lower their value so that you still have value. Here's another one that I think we can have a lot of, especially here, is having a performance-driven mindset. You have to maintain perfection. You have to measure up, always having to prove oneself. I think some, often when we're here at BCM, we hold a high standard. There's nothing wrong with that. But too often, we are driven to try to, I'm saying you and, my, you and I, we want to have this, this, this level, this value. So we're always performance-driven, always have to measure up. You always want to be a certain thing for your music teacher. You want to be a certain thing for your teacher. You want to be a certain thing for the dean of men or the dean of women or pastor or a mentor in your life. You're always trying to, to live up to some level. And you're driven by what you do. And you're always having to prove yourself. I spent several years here at BCM trying to prove myself, prove to myself who I was. And yeah, I can look back and think, oh, I accomplished things, but I missed many valuables because I was always trying to prove to myself or anyone else, I'm a leader, I'm a this, I'm that, I can do this. I mean, I, I can sing, I can play, I can whatever. I was always trying to prove because of a lack in my life. Affirmation is one of those things that if you've never really seen it, unless you allow the Spirit of God to transform you, it's really hard to turn around and do it to someone else. 
to know how to see it done. Many of you maybe never have received, even though you came from very good homes, might not have received affirmation like you should have. Probably because your parents never received the affirmation they needed. And their parents never received the affirmation they needed. So it's a cycle of people not knowing how to affirm because they never saw it. And until someone decides, by God's grace, I'm going to see that cycle broken, it's not going to change in your life. And we're going to keep on a cycle of people being insecure, critical, never living up to the potential that they could have because they've never stopped and recognized the value, first off, that they have and allowing God to affirm them and then therefore using that to affirm others. Again, I don't criticize any of your parents. Some probably are first-generation believers. Some, if they're not, like I said, never saw it themselves. They have wounds that they're trying to deal with. So there's a lack in your life. Maybe you can look at, at your life and you start evaluating. You see some of these areas and you say, yeah, I'm overly critical. I'm insecure. I, I look at my life and I see myself just always trying to prove myself, always trying to live performance-based. Never being willing to be truly humble or transparent with where I'm at. Because I'm afraid if I'm transparent, then my value goes down. So I can't open up. Fellowship officers, are you willing to go forward at an invitation when the topic that's being discussed is one of those things that, I can't struggle with this. I'm a fellowship officer. Or I'm a senior. I'm a whatever. I'm a staff member. I can't go forward for that. I struggle with that. Pastor preaches on a thing, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, BCM graduate, I'm a seminary graduate, I'm a staff member, I shouldn't be struggling with this, but I am. If I go forward, it's pride, but it stems from something else. It stems from a, a feeling of, I, if I go forward, then that in some way, in my twisted thinking, because of a lie I believed, my value goes down. As you go through the Conqueror series, one of the things that they talk about is identifying the wounds in your life. And as I started going through the different wounds in my life, I, I started being able to, as I saw the wound, one of the things that you were supposed to do is therefore, okay, there's a wound. What is the lie you believed? So that this wound happened, therefore what was the lie? Well, I look back at this, and we're going to talk in a second about healing wounds, but I looked at the wound and I thought, well, that doesn't hurt anymore. Dr. Jim had described it as, you know, a wound if it's been months, you got a knife wound, and months later, if it didn't get healed and you touch it and it hurts, well, something's wrong. Well, I touched the wound. It didn't hurt. Well, I thought, what's wrong with this? Well, the connection is, there's a lie that you believed. And if it wasn't counteracted with truth, a stronghold was built in your life. So you might have what we're going to talk about in healing the wound, you might have forgiven the person, thanked God for the situation. You can look back and the situation doesn't hurt. But you think, why in the world am I still struggling with insecurity? Why in the world am I still struggling with always feeling like I have to prove myself? I always have to do something. 
Well, it's because there was a lie you believed that you never saw the truth that needs to be there to counteract that lie. So maybe there is a lack in your life. As you look back at your growing up, and you think, yeah, my parents really didn't have vision for my life. I love them. They love me. But they didn't really have a, a, a vision for me. They didn't really have, they weren't, they weren't necessarily affirming of me. We had a great relationship, but they weren't affirming. And there was a lack. And you feel it. And that's, you're, here you are, years later, and I've seen men, much older than myself, that way past their childhood, and are still living out, trying to prove, themse prove to themselves that they have value because of a wound all the way back here in their childhood that they never counteracted the lie. And it's, it's sad because affirmation is really, in a, in a sense, it's just, it just would seem like a simple thing. And if it was done in the in, in the and a child's life would so much transform their adult life. So how do we heal the wound? We've talked about this. Uh, Dr. Jim, is, is, um, in his messages, spoke on it, and so I'm not going to really get into it. I think we've talked about forgiveness. We know the steps. We have to agree with God. You know, this area in my life, this was for my good. God did this specifically for me to grow me and change me. So I, I agree with God, this area was good for me. I give him thanks. Lord, I, they don't owe me a, a thing. I forgive them. You know, it's extremely helpful when you recognize sometimes, too, that, that maybe that parent had a lack in their life. And they're just living it out. It gives you so much. When you start understanding the, the, the strongholds and the wounds issues, it gives you so much more compassion for others that you work with. Because you realize they're just living out the wound that I'm living out. So you forgive them. You confess the bitterness. If there's bitterness that's creeped in. You, forget, you, you, you confess those things. You get those right. You, therefore, now, but once you've done that, like I said, I'd, I'd forgiven people. I'd taken care of bitterness in my life. You know, I went through BCM. I heard preaching on bitterness. I heard preaching about forgiveness. God dealt with me on those issues. But the thing I never did was I never identified the lie that I believed from that lack, that wound in my life. And I never counteracted it with truth. So here I am years later, and I'm still living out that lie. So you, you, receive, you, give, you have forgiveness, but then what's the lie you're leave, uh, believing about yourself? I challenge you to write out, what's the, what were those situations that hurt? Where were those wounds? Maybe it's a bigger issue, but write them out. And then right next to them, what's the lie I'm believing from this? What am, I, what am I believing about myself? You know, I had a specific wound. I wrote out the wound right next to it. I said, the lie I believed was because they didn't want to spend time with me, my value wasn't worth it. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't worth enough to them. And so therefore, I believed in my mind that I didn't truly have value. That was the lie I believed. 
And you can have, you can look at them and you can go off of them and say, what's the lie I believed? And then the next step is renewing the mind. It has to be renewing of your mind. If you're not, it, and that's where it, I'm not going to get any, even any of the technical things about the brain and stuff like that. But there has to be that, that transformation. This was a lie. Okay, now what's truth? It, in the whole, if you look at the brain, there is, there's connections that are made. As you think, have thought patterns, connections are made. And the longer you think them, when we talked about strongholds, the more that pathway gets worn down. And as you've, you think those things, then when you recognize, that's a lie. I need to counteract that with truth. Well, that pathway's still there. And it does take a process of counteracting whenever your brain wants to go back to that pathway. It takes a process, a divine process of saying, no, what's truth? And counteracting the lie that you believe with the truth. So how do you move forward? How do we move forward in this life? Do you look at your life and say, yeah, I have lack. I had a lack of affirmation in my life. Well, here, I want to give you an example. Turn to Joshua 1. We were in our Sunday school table. And uh, when we first started the Joshua series, and I looked, we were looking at this, and I was fresh thinking about affirmation. And um, as I'm looking at, o- over this and meditating on this, as we're kind of trying to you know, pull the, the, message, the passage apart, um, I'm, I was just struck with this. So I'm going to read, start reading there in the very beginning. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even until the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Take note, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. What is God doing here? Joshua has an immense thing before him. I don't know about you, but say all of a sudden you've been the understudy of whether it was pastor or someone in charge of a, a large ministry. And all of a sudden they said, all right, here you go. Now you're leader. As much as I would like to think, oh, yeah, I, I love the opportunity. That's scary. <laughs> and he's leading 
you know, what do we say, a couple million people? All of a sudden, he's now becoming the leader. He's been preparing for it. What does God do in this moment? Be strong. Be courageous. He affirms him. Joshua, you're my leader. I prepared you for this. Go forward. And then as we at our table were discussing this, uh, Pastor Zemple made the comment as we started thinking about it. He said, you know what? God has done this to other of his leaders. You think of Gideon, our great man of valor. Daniel, oh thou greatly beloved. As God appears to them to give them something. Mary, thou highly favored above women. And then the thing that I was struck with, Son of God, as he comes up out of the water when he's to be baptized, after being baptized, what does God the Father say to him? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There's affirmation again. All throughout Scripture, I, th- I believe that we see God affirming time and time again, this is who you are, therefore do. It's needful for us. Because the devil is going to attack our identity because of who we are. Number one, he's attacking our identity because you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're creating the very image of God. And therefore, he hates our very being because you're created like him. And he's going to attack you as a believer because your identity in Christ. You are in Christ, and he sees that, and he hates it. So he's going to attack the very, the very thing at your core, your value. He hates it. So you must recognize that you are created with value. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am, I am a creation of God. There's nothing prideful about that. That's who I am. And who am I in Christ? Value is based on, I think I kind of said, but value is based on who you are, not on the things, not on the things you can or cannot do. True self-worth comes from who you are in Christ. It's about identity. The devil is an accuser and deceiver. He wants to destroy my identity and God's identity. You know, there was a moment in my life as I was reading through a book that God stepped down and made something very clear. It was several years ago, but I, didn't, I haven't fully understood it till now. I was reading through a book, and it was talking about, it's called The Green Letters. Um, I can't remember the guy's first name. We were giving it to us seniors. Yeah, Miles, I can't remember. Um, yeah, Miles Stanford. We got that as when we graduated from BCM, the Alumni Fellowship gave that to us. And so I was off in Ghana, and I was reading the book. And uh, as I got to the section, it talked about being accepted in the beloved. There in Ephesians 1. I'm accepted. I, I don't know. God just stepped down and said, you're accepted. I accept you. You're accepted in the beloved one. 
and my position who I was in Christ. I'm, I don't know, that was pretty, that was, that for me, it was like God put his arms around me in that moment gave, and just, as one says, showed his outrageous love for me. And it really comes back to, if you're, if you're there and you're recognizing, hey, I have this lack, I struggle, I doubt my, af- I have my value in my life, then you have to come back to, who am I? I'm created by God, therefore I have value. Who am I? I am in Christ. I am accepted in the blood. I am complete in Christ. I have value. It's not a prideful thing. It's, it's, it's getting back to, who am I? Because if you do not get to who you are, you can never go forward. I don't think I had it. I meant to put it in this, the notes here. Oh, here it is. One person made this comment in the, one of the Conquer Series things. He said, you can never love beyond the view you have of yourself. Just think about that. You can never love beyond the view you have of yourself. I'm not saying that in a prideful sense. If you cannot know who your true value is, who you are in Christ, you can't truly love others. Because you're never secure in your love. You know, when you become secure, I'm finding this. I have, believe me, I've not arrived yet. I'm still, every day, counteract, having to counteract lies that I believe in this area. But the more you counteract this and the more you start to see I have value because who I am in Christ and you become secure, it changes how you, how you perceive life. It now becomes a team. Before it was about me because I always had to prove my value. Now it's like, well, I have value because who I am. God's created me. He's given me a vision and a purpose for my specific life. So that's what I'm here for. So I don't have to worry about if somebody can preach better than I or can sing better than I or can play sports better than I or can organize or administrate or anything better than I can. It doesn't matter. Because I have my value, my purpose for this life. And therefore, I can now become a team player with someone else. I can rejoice when someone else is used of God. You know, I, I'm going to be very transparent. Sometimes when I would hear certain people give, um, say, oh, God just did this mightily, and they would give illustrations of how God used them in soul winning or how God used them through preaching, I would really struggle with that. Because if I gloried with them, in my twisted thinking, because of the lies I believed, somehow that lessened my value. So I had a really hard time with glorying or you know, rejoicing with someone else. But I had a, it was a very sweet thing the other day. I was talking to, um, Joe and I were talking to, Mr. Mueller, sorry, and I were talking with Bobby Bosler, and he was sharing how God had, had used them the first time. I don't know if you're aware of what, what God's been doing there, but he one of the nights, uh, one of the wars, you know, third night, Monday night, you know, that's uh, God's final call. It's key. Well, they give the invitation. I won't give all the things. They give in the invitation, and uh, only three girls go back. 
well, then he's not necessarily needed to go back and help with the counseling. And God had been kind of burdening about something, and so he, at that point he said, okay, I'm not done with talking with you. And he gave him the degeneration challenge, basically, total surrender. 30 to 40 young people raised their hands. said, no, we're committing to surrender to Christ. Well, since then, that's what they've been doing the third night. I was able to listen to that, and for the first time, I was able to rejoice. I was like, that is so exciting. There was a tinge for a moment. But I said, no, that's exciting. God's using him. This is a part of the team. And I didn't have to be all focused on my, my individuality. I didn't have to worry about that. So, recognizing who you are. And then, what are you going to do with this? I'm sure you can look at people all around you and you can recognize that. If, if you start meditating on affirmation, you can recognize that's someone that la- has lacked affirmation in their life. That's someone that has a lack. There's someone with, with a deep wound. I can think of two young men. I'm not going to name them, but you all know them. Two young men that I've worked with. One of them has not received any affirmation. The other one would seem like he had received affirmation, but he didn't. Received lots of praise, but he never truly received affirmation. Both of them are insecure. And I look at their lives, and I think, those young men are dying to have affirmation. To have their value validated. And for me, because their dads are totally not in their lives, to give them a vision. This is what God has for you. And I'm sure if you started looking at people, you would see, yep, that person always irritates me. Man, why are they always like this? You start, you start letting God open your eyes to them. You say, they need affirmation. There's young people in this church that are crying out for affirmation. I was talking to some men last night about a couple particular young men don't have really a dad at all in their life. And the things that irritated me about, about, irritated me about them, now that I look at it, I realize it's a, it's a lack of affirmation in their lives. So what they are like right now is, a, is an acting out, crying out for, I need to be affirmed. I need value. So they're trying to do everything they possibly can to prove that they have value. Well, it's not, it's not, they don't need me coming in and say, hey, stop doing this. They need me to come in alongside them and affirm them and say, this is the vision for your life. And, that, and, and there's so many people in our lives that that's what the issue is. Again, I don't even know fully how this all works. And I'm asking God to change me because I have two little boys that you know, are going to be, before I know it, growing up. And they need my affirmation. My wife needs my affirmation. Everybody I work with needs my affirmation. I had opportunity to uh, share, uh, I had to present some things to the deacons on Sunday. And I get up there and I thought I was prepared. Have you ever had that where you thought you were prepared and you weren't fully prepared? Um, but I thought I was prepared to get up there and I'm, I'm giving some of the stuff and I'm realizing I was giving it. I was like, oh, I should have given a little more time to this than I did. 
And it was okay, but I just, I sat there and I was kind of like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. Zach, you kind of blew this one. You didn't really prepare. And, um, and so I'm like inside of me, there's kind of some turmoil a little bit. And um, there's that temptation to feel like, okay, I'm nothing now. And I'm not to say you don't evaluate when you failed and recognize, okay, how do I get better? But it is not a beating up. It's not a time to beat yourself up and say, ugh. But I'm sitting there, and, okay, so I walk out of the meeting. Mr. Shepherd walks by. He had, was going to his conquer group. He was one of the deacons. And he walks by and he says, great job, Zach. I, I can't tell you what that did for me. But that in, just deep inside my soul, that was exactly what I needed at that moment. It didn't change about how I knew I needed to do a better job. But that affirmation right there in that moment is what I needed. And it just confirmed again, okay, this God, I, I, I have a purpose. I have, a, you know, I have value. I have a task to do. And really, that's sometimes what you need to do. It's not, you can affirm in correction. Sometimes people need to be corrected, yes. But in the whole process, you're, you're affirming them for what the vision and, and calling God has for their life. It's not a tear-down process. It's like, okay, the reason why this was wrong in your life, is why this is such a bad deal, is because it's taking you from this. This value and vision that God has for you. That's why I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking the moment to deal with you. Because God has something greater for you. And you, again, affirm who they are. I'm telling you, it will change how you view people and it will change your ministry to people. If they know you're a Barnabas who's going to come alongside and affirm them and see a John Mark who left the ministry transformed into someone who now has value. God's calling us to a ministry of affirmation to, to others. But first it comes from identifying that lack in your own life and saying, okay, God, I have this lack. What's the truth to counteract it? And now help me to live in this truth who I am in you, my value and worth to you, so that I can now, therefore, give value and worth to others. Not give it to them, but confirm in others. Death death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you going to do with your tongue? Remember, your value is not based on what you can do, or what you can't do. It's based on who you are. Lord, I ask that you would help these young people. Help all of us. None of us are exempt from this. I'm sure each one of us can look at our own lives and we can see, yep, there was an area where I have a lack in my life and I believed a lie. And a stronghold's been built. Lord, we desire to see strongholds torn down. And right now, Lord, I ask if there's anybody here that got, you've been laying your finger on their heart, laying your finger on a stronghold of believing a lie about their worth, their value, 
Lord, I ask that you would do a deep and mighty work in them. And Lord, maybe this didn't, you know, not everybody can recognize the sees that there's this lack, but they do recognize that they have not had the ministry of affirmation. Lord, I pray that you would transform them in their, in their how they view their ministry to others. I'm just going to give you a moment, and I'll let Pastor Zempel close, but if God's worked in your heart and you recognize either I, I have a lack and I need to see this